have your Bible with you, or there's one in front of you, I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 6. One of the things I like to do on 4th of July weekend is talk about freedom. And so I've chosen a text this morning. We've, as you know, we're going through the book of Acts, but we're going to depart from that this morning and focus our thoughts on chapter 6, the first 14 verses. And I invite you to follow along or just listen as I read. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. For we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too might live, may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Father, this morning, I pray that you just open our eyes to see uh, this truth this morning in a new and a fresh way. Uh, take away those barriers that keep us from just comprehending how profound what we have just read this morning is. So we commit this time to you in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have more to say than I have time for this morning. I can tell you that right now. Uh, I, you know, I was looking through just a couple websites, uh, Dr. Piper, uh, Desiring God, and I just clicked on chapter 6. He has 16 messages on chapter 6. I went to John MacArthur. He has 50 messages on chapter 8 alone. And I don't know if there's any book in the, in the whole Bible that is more packed with just deep, insightful things than the book of Romans. And so this morning, I am going to try and just give us kind of a flyover view, and I'm going to challenge you to really take time to try and grasp the truth here, because it is transforming uh, for our lives. In 1886, Robert Louis Stevenson wrote a novel. I don't know if you know which one that was. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Now, it's kind of an interesting story. It's about this guy who's a physician by day. By night, he drinks this potion, and he turns into this animalistic being that commits all kinds of atrocious crimes. And as the story goes, one uh, early morning, he comes back, and, and he cannot find the antidote which will turn him 
back from Mr. Hyde into Dr. Jekyll. And so he realizes that he is bound to this life and drinks some poison and basically takes his life. A very uplifting story. <laughs> but out of that story, you know, you've heard this phrase. It's kind of like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you ever feel like that in your Christian life a little bit? Like, you know, one day you're just, you have this feeling like you just want to surrender your whole life to God, and then a couple days later it's like you want to take it all back. Or one day you're very patient and you just feel this incredible peace, and then another day you just, you're very impatient at everything and you're restless. You know, one day you're very content with life, and, and another day everything just feels very discontent. You know, one day you feel like you have uh, just this power over this habit in your life, and, and you wake up another day and it just seems to be controlling you. I think we can all relate to that. And I think we need to talk about what's going on. <clears throat> I, I think this is something that we definitely need to talk about. And that's precisely what, in this section of Scripture, what Paul is talking about here this morning. I know there are some of you sitting out there saying, you know what, if people knew some of the thoughts that pop into my mind, or some of the things I have done, or just some of those desires that, that come out of seemingly nowhere, you know, people really knew me. Well, I got news for you. They know you. Because every morning they get up and look in the mirror. And they have those same thoughts. They have those same desires. They have those same things within them that seem so contrary to the life that God has called us to. I want to read you Paul's little insight into his life. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do it, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. And here he describes it. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging this war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then these words, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And then he writes this, therefore. And I want you to hear this word because he has just described this struggle. That he experiences, that every Christian experiences this struggle. And listen to the next words. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say there is no condemnation for those who have gotten out of this struggle. He says there is no condemnation for those who are in the midst of this struggle. So then you ask the question, so then why do I feel condemned? 
I think that's a good question. Why do you feel condemned? God has said there, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. So where is it coming from? It's not coming from Him. Maybe it's coming from a critical parent. Maybe it's coming from a peer group that you grew up with many years ago in school. Maybe it's coming from the culture. Maybe it's coming from the world. Maybe it's coming from your sinful nature yourself. Or from Satan himself. This is a very, very powerful truth. It is a transforming truth in our life. So, let's, still take, a, let's take a walk through the text this morning, and we'll go till we run out of time, and, and then we'll have to stop. So, <clears throat> I want to pick out five words from this text, and we're going to kind of walk through them. Five words. Here they are. Number one, old self. We need to understand the old self. That's very important. Word number two, death. The word death is a very important word here to understand. Number three, resurrection. An equally powerful word to death. Number four, new life. New life. And number five, Paul uses this word, this body of sin. So we're going to kind of walk through these and see if we can kind of piece this together a little bit. So, the first thing that we, the first word we have there is Paul talks about this old self. What is it? This is what you are apart from Christ. The old self is what you are apart from Christ. What you are apart from Christ is your old self. It is the nature you were born with, and it is a, secondly, it is a nature which is inclined to sin is a nature inclined to sin. And this nature can look very bad, obviously very bad. This nature can look very good because you can be competing with God to be equally as moral as God. This can be someone who is seeking to live the most moral life they can and they can be steeped in sin because they're living their life independent from God. And they're denying what God says about them to be true, that this independence from God is sin and this denial of, of their sinful nature. See, our real problem is not the stupid things that we do. You know, there's a thousand different things we do. People that go out and get drunk, people that go do this, people that, you know, all the stuff we do, that's not our problem. Our problem is our nature. Because all of these things flow out of that nature. So, you can work on all this stuff out here, but if you don't, if you don't change the nature, there is no hope of changing you know, the symptoms. This is all symptomatic stuff that we see and we read about in the news. It all flows out of this nature that is inclined to sin. Uh, Paul, just a couple chapters back, just a couple passages, Romans 3, verse 12, you'll see it up on the wall. All have turned away. They've become together, become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one definition here of this old self. Another great description of the old self Paul acknowledges in Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is not work in those who are disobedient. And listen to this. All of us 
lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts, we, like the rest, we were by nature, by nature, we were objects of God's wrath. Now Paul and the scripture paints a very hopeless picture. And there is a reason for that. You know, man has a conscience. Every man, even with the old nature, is born with a conscience. And this conscience is kind of an internal compass that does speak to anyone. You know, when someone does something that's wrong, inherently somewhere they know, but the scripture teaches the more we do it, the more we repeat it, our conscience becomes seared and pretty much hardened, and pretty soon we cannot no longer even hear that conscience going on. This is the old self. If you took the old self in for a physical, it would go something like this. The doctor would come in and he would check the eyes and he'd go, my goodness, this person can't see. They're, they're blind. There's no, there's no vision here. And then he looks in the ears and, and does a hearing test. He said, this person's deaf. And, and he does that little thing on the knee, you know, the reflex is absolutely nothing there. So we gotta get we gotta do an EKG in this person. He does the EKG and EKG and the doctor goes, My goodness, this person's dead. He can't see, he can't hear, there's no strength there, he is stone dead. That is spiritually what the old self looks like. It's the biggest problem we face. Your biggest problem is your nature. It's my biggest problem, and it's the problem that Christ addresses when he comes. Wouldn't it make sense that if God truly loves us, he would come to deal with the greatest problem we have in our lives? So what are we going to do? We can't change our own nature. So what does he do? Well, <clears throat> one day I was out with my friends, and uh, we were walking, I remember there were, I just, you know how sometimes you remember those little experiences in your life? I was probably about third grade, I'll never forget this, and there was a, we were walking, my one friend had this big dog and there was a cat. The cat and the dog got at it. Now a cat can really handle themselves pretty well with a dog, it's amazing. But then the cat made a fatal mistake. The cat decided it was time to uh, run for a telephone pole, and about two feet up the pole, the dog caught the cat from behind. And uh, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to describe to you uh, what happened there, but there was only one thing to do with the cat, and that was to put it out of its misery. That's, that's basically what God did with your old self. He uh, basically said, we're not going to try and restore this. There's no treatment plans. There's no operative surgery here that can help. We're just going to have to put it to death. And, you know, that's a pretty important piece of information because you can spend your whole life trying to rehabilitate yourself. The scripture says it's not going to happen. You can spend 30 years in counseling trying to rehabilitate the old self and it will still be that sinful nature. It may look better, but it will still be that sinful nature. And so what we see here that God does is is, you know, his plan is death. Death to the old self. Just listen to, uh, just listen to all the places he measures it, uh, mentions it. Verse 5. If we've been united with him like this in his death, verse 6, for we know that our old selves were crucified with him, 
Verse 7, because anyone who has died. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ. Verse 10, the death he died. Verse 11a, in the same way, count yourselves dead. There's a lot in here about death. Just as Christ died, so we died with him. It's all about death. The way God deals with your old nature is death. So that's a pretty important piece of information. You can't nurse it back to health. The wages of sin is death. So, what are we left with? The old self is crucified, put to death. It's going to take a new life to bring us out of this one. It's going to take a, a resurrection. It's going to take a resurrection. And so what we see here is that we are resurrected with Christ to a new life. This is exactly what God has in mind. And in most of those verses, it talks about death in the second half. Verse 4, just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too now may live a new life. Verse 5, we will also be united with him in his resurrection. Okay, verse 8, he says, we believe that we also will live with him. And verse 10, but the life he lives, he lives to God. He's talking about this new life. And so we see the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So that's his plan. And so what God does, he takes the old life, he puts it to death, he brings a resurrection, and he brings up a new life in you. We are given a new nature. A brand new nature. This new nature is changed. It's not like the old nature. The old nature was based on Adam. The new nature is based on Jesus Christ. And it comes with a whole new uh, set of desires. If you're a Christian today, you have a desire to know God. You may be struggling with that, but there's a desire deep within you to know God, to love God, the desire for you to, uh, you know, this whole transformation process. There's a new capacity to experience love and joy and peace and self-control. And there's a desire for those things. This new nature that God gives us is after the nature of Christ himself. There's a much greater awareness of right and wrong. You may be far more miserable as a Christian than you were before. Because now you understand. Now with the new nature, you can see it. You can understand it. You can see the difference. Now when we go in for an examination, we go in and, and wow, there's some sight there. And, and we can hear. We can begin to hear from God. And we can begin to hear from His Word. And there's some strength there that God gives. And there's actually a spiritual heartbeat that's going on within us. This new self within you is perfect. There's nothing about it that needs to be changed. It is designed. One day you will die and that new nature will be what you have and it will be absolutely perfect. It is the nature of Christ in us. It is the mind of Christ in us. Okay, so let's take a time out. <clears throat> So, the old is gone, the new has come, we're given a perfect nature like Christ. So why am I struggling? Maybe you're saying, you know, this is what drives me crazy about 
pastors, they get up and talk about this stuff and paint a picture, and then I go home and it doesn't match my experience. I often feel like the new is gone and the old has come. I thought the old self was crucified on the cross. Well, there's one more term here we need to look at, and that is this term from chapter 12. We're talking here about this, or from verse 12, excuse me. We're talking about this, this body of sin that he describes. Therefore, do not let sin reign. It's called this mortal body so that you obey its desires. Earlier in the text, in, chapter, in verse 6, he says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that this body of sin, okay, this body of sin, Guess what hasn't died yet? You're sitting with him or her this morning. It's this body. You have a new nature, but you have the old body. One day the body's going to die, right? When the body dies, then what the scripture teaches is that this corruptible body is going to put on incorruptible. This, dishon this body that dishonors us is going to be honorable. This body that's mortal is going to be immortal. And so... One of the great hopes that we have and one of the things that we are called to hold on to in the midst of our struggle as Christians is that one day we're going to put off this body of sin. Scripture talks about it in many places. This body of sin. It's also called our flesh. And it has been so patterned by our old nature and by our old way of doing things and it becomes the source of our struggle which we have. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Paul talks about this. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting little description of his attitude towards his own flesh. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says, no, I, this is what he says, I beat my body. I beat my body. Not very many places where you're told to beat yourself, but you're called to beat your flesh. You're called to beat that body of sin and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I would, myself will not be disqualified for the prize. See, Paul's saying, I used to be a slave to my body. Now my body's a slave to me. And so, we are likewise in that process. So let me summarize. We have these points. We have the old self. We have the death of the self. We have the resurrection and the new life and new nature. But we combine that with this body of sin. And, and that then, therein lies the struggle. And so our lives as Christians are about this struggle to live out our new nature in the context of a body of sin. That's the picture that's painted. So, what do we do? You know, how do we do that? Well, there are some things, first of all, we need to know. There are three places where it says here we need to know something. Number one is we need to know that we've died with Christ. Verse 3. See it there? We have died with Christ. You notice verse 3. Chapter 6. <clears throat> you want to throw that up, Chris? <clears throat> or don't you know that all of us who were baptized. Okay? You had it there, Chris. 
Don't you know that all of us who were baptized, this is chapter 6, or chapter 6, yeah, <clears throat> verse 3, all of you who were baptized, it says, into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Okay? We have died with Christ. Something had power over us, and that something that had power over us has now, no longer has that power. Number two is verse 6. We don't have to be controlled by sin anymore. You don't have to be controlled by sin anymore. Verse 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. There's a third thing that we need to know. Verse 9, We have been given new life with God. We have this new nature. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And then verse 5 really sums it all up. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. You and I have been united with Christ in this way. You need to know that. Those are things you need to know. But... You know, I need to know them. You also need to believe them. In, in, chapter, in verse 11, it says, consider yourself or reckon yourself. That means, you know, do you really believe this? Have you really applied this to your thinking now? That my life is hidden with Christ in God. That I've been crucified. That sin no longer has power over me. That when God looks at me, there's no condemnation, even in the midst of my struggle, because, listen to this, I, my life is hidden with Christ in God. When God looks at me, I, my life is hidden in Christ. Now let me just ask you, is that how you look at your life? Do you, do you really believe that? Or in the midst of this struggle, do you say, man, when God looks at me, He sees this struggling, weak believer. The scripture says that's not what He sees. He sees you in Christ. And you start thinking this way. You start believing, not just knowing, but believing these truths. And the Scripture says it will transform your life. It will transform your life. Not only do we need to know it and believe it, but thirdly, we need to act on it. Chapter 6, verse 13. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin. Verse 14 or the last part of 13, it said, instead, offer yourselves, your bodies, as instruments of righteousness. Two things we can do with our bodies. We can offer them to God for righteousness or for disobedience. Here's a point that I want us to see this morning. <clears throat> you have a flesh. You have a body of sin. It's not who you are. That's why Paul says, you know, when I see sin living in me, it's not me doing it. Now, it sounds like he's trying to lay himself off the hook, but he's talking here about a spiritual truth. You are not your old self anymore. You, you no longer view yourself in light of your old being. You no longer evaluate yourself in terms of your flesh. You evaluate yourself in terms of who Christ has made you, and that is a new creation in Christ. You say, well, I, I don't feel that. So what does that have to do with anything? What is God telling you? Believe what God is telling you and you'll start to feel it. And many of us are stuck here. Many of us look at our lives as Christians through this lens of our flesh 
And the scriptures separate it. You know, that's why the problem here that Paul is dress, addressing is the Gnostics who are saying, hey, you know, if my flesh is over here, and it's really about my spiritual life, who I am in Christ, then it doesn't matter what I do in my flesh. That's what they were saying. And so Paul here is addressing that, and he's going, you know, just because you're under grace doesn't mean you can just sin. I think a lot of us have the opposite problem, however. I think we look at ourselves through these eyes of our flesh, and we forget who we are and what God has done, and thus we become powerless in our lives to live out this new life. Here's a summary. Number one, we are all in this struggle. Don't forget that. Everybody in this room has that struggle. The next time you're going, man, if people know what I go through, they know what you go through. Everybody knows what I'm talking about here this morning. And so don't put yourself in some category off all by yourself. We all, this is a struggle we all have. Number two, do not be defined any longer by your old self. That's not who you are. That is not who you are. You are a new creation in Christ. You still live with your flesh. And so when you see your flesh, you say, ah, there it is again. Yeah, I, you know, I lost it, but that's not me. That's that stupid flesh which God has saved me from. That's the part of me that God says to crucify, not to try and rehabilitate or somehow find my identity in. And so understand that's not who you are. When you see the flesh, when you see that body of sin, understand that is the part of you that God wants you to set aside. No longer look at yourself through those eyes. Number three, do not be nice to your flesh. <laughs> Paul says, I beat it. You know, your flesh says, oh, you need to do this. Just tell it to shut up. Go sit out, you know. Just tell it to get lost. You cannot be too brutal on your flesh. That's why David says, you know, it was good that God afflicted me. Because when your flesh is weakened, your spiritual life becomes strong. That's the benefit of fasting. You weaken your flesh and you become stronger in your spiritual life. Don't be nice to your flesh. And lastly, act on the basis of what God has said to be true. You're in that struggle today. There is no condemnation for you today. And so Paul summarizes in this way, because you are not under law, you are under grace. You are under grace this morning. That's a hard one to get a hold of. Don't think you've grasped this. And I would encourage you to take these truths and pray over them and ask God to open your eyes to them because they will transform your life. Father, this morning I thank you for this truth. I pray for my own life, Father. My own ability to grasp this amazing truth that in Christ, we are a new creation. We have been given a new nature that loves to follow you, that loves to seek after you. And Father, we all find ourselves in this struggle with our flesh and this body of sin which Paul identifies so clearly. Father, help us to see that that no longer defines who we are. That your grace is sufficient for every struggle in our life. And Father, that there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ. Jesus.
Father, what an amazing truth. Just open our eyes. Help us to be more focused on you and what you have done than any of the sins of our past or present or future. And Father, as we do that, we will find freedom and power over that sin which seeks to keep us in bondage. Father, we just pray for these truths in our lives. Pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, if you're visiting, um, please swing by our welcome center uh, in the reception area and stay with us and have uh, coffee and other kinds of snacks in connection time. Once again, thank you for being with us. You are dismissed. <laughs>